Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Strengthening My Recovery today, and the topic is choices. We're changing. We are beginning to see that we have choices. Big Red Book, page 578. You know, I heard early um, in one of my programs that the steps give you the power of choice. And I didn't know what the choice was from. And in my case, the choice was from being a victim. And uh, we'll get to Melody Beatty's uh, readings later, but I remember Melody Beatty saying, we were victimized, but we're not victims. Um, also reminds me in some ways of Pia Melody, who said, we can't blame, but we can keep people accountable. Back to the reading. Many of us used to think that making important choices was reserved for those who knew what they were doing, but that wasn't us. We almost fainted at the prospect of trusting our own intuition about what direction we should take in life. We felt we needed the help of others who were obviously more qualified. We had no faith in our ability to be independent. Yeah, definitely lost that faith. And it didn't matter how many times people would say, um, you know, I had a friend, Ed, who was just like, "Why? you think everybody has it figured out. We're all just guessing. And, you know, I guess I just dissociated from listening for a long period of time because I do notice that I can listen when, um, you know, I guess I'm not in an emotional flashback. Um, back to the reading. As we become true partners in a recovery with our higher power, we see that we are actually capable of judging what is best for ourselves. We learn to pray and meditate, step 11, and allow the answers to come naturally as we create space to hear in a new way. We walk forward fearlessly knowing also that we may make mistakes, but that mistakes can become important lessons that lead to greater freedom and self-esteem and learning. You know, I could read the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. She talks about the difference between growth mindset and a fixed mindset. Without the steps, I would have a fixed mindset. Like, and I try to change that, but with the steps and with a power greater than myself, which could be a variety of things. Um, I'm shifting into the growth mindset. Back to the reading. Our problems when faced can guide us to a better place when we were no longer doubt ourselves. We find that the creativity that comes from exploration nurtures our souls and helps us live more fully. We're finally happy being ourselves and would not trade our lives with anyone else. On this day, I will trust in my ability to make the right choices for myself and I no longer depend on others to give me all the answers. If I need a sounding board, I have my higher power and fellow travelers. We're there when I ask for them. And I think that's the thing is a lot of times, even now I'm like, oh, what should I do? Whereas I think what I really need is a sounding board. Um, great reading. God, I love, um, you know, I plan to uh, do more podcasts, uh, you know, up the frequency um, next year because these readings are just unbelievable and i've found some other great sources the next one is the next reading also comes from aca strengthening my recovery the topic is mistakes most of us agonize over mistakes because we internalize the error right i make a mistake it's not i made a mistake i'm bad i can't do this i'm missing there's something defective etc cetera, etc cetera. back to the reading when we were kid which is all bullshit um and i'm just telling my inner critics all bullshit Back to the reading. When we were kids, making a mistake meant being verbally and often physically abused. 
Our mistakes provoked over-the-top reactions from the adults around us. We did not have the tools to understand that we were doing just what kids and people in general do, make mistakes. But instead, we heard shaming comments like, what's the matter with you? Are you stupid? Are you an idiot? Or you should have known better. Look what you did. And on top of that, many of us were spanked, slapped, or beaten as well. It seemed like the end of the world when this happened. The mistake could never be undone. Part of the result was that the more it happened, the better we got at shaming ourselves. Now it's just for little things. Um, everything doesn't matter equally. And you know, there's no mistake I've made in the last, you know, since recovery that comes remotely close to any of the things that happened when I was in active addiction. Back to the reading. Part of the result was that the more it happened, the better we got at shaming ourselves. We no longer needed to hear it from someone else because those messages had become internalized. We carried the self-saving behavior into our adult lives and many of us became merciless in the way we treated ourselves. In ACA, we learned to gradually reprogram those inner critical parent messages and understand that making mistakes is part of being human. We all do it. When we make a mistake, we talk about it, examine the nature of what we did, forgive ourselves, make amends when appropriate, and move on. We begin to think and act like true adults. On this day, I understand that when I make a mistake, I don't have to perpetuate my childhood abuse by beating myself up. I will call someone and process what happened and then move on. Instead of something that can haunt me for years or decades, it could be something that could be diminished and learned from in a couple days. That is the gift of the rooms. The next reading comes from Melody Vades, The Language of Letting Go. And the topic is beliefs about money. Woo. I was starting a new job for a corporation. I was good at what I did for a living. The personnel manager and I were down to the details of employment. And he asked me how much money I believed I deserved. I thought about it and it came up with a figure of 400 a month. This was back in the 60s. I didn't want to ask for two months. So I decided to ask for the smallest amount I could live with. This reminds me of the crumaholic. He hired me and gave me what I asked for. Later on, when I left that job, the personnel manager told me he'd been willing to pay me whatever I wanted. Had I asked for 600 or 700 a month, which was a tremendous salary at the time, I would have gotten it. I'd limited myself, but what I believed I deserved. That's so true. And I have to realize that what I think I deserve, I probably deserve 20 to 40% more. Not even talking financially. Back to the reading. What are our beliefs about money? Do we believe that money is evil and wrong? Money is neither. It is a commodity on earth. Necessity. It is what people need to purchase many of their basic needs, as well as luxuries and treats. It is one way that they are rewarded for their work. Loving money, however, can be as self-defeating as loving any other commodity. We can become obsessed with money. We can use it as an escape from relationships and feelings. We can use it compulsively to gain a temporary sense of power. Money is simply money. i got to repeat that. Loving money, however, or being afraid of it, can be as self-defeating as loving any other commodity. We can be obsessed with money. We can use it as an escape. We can use it compulsively to gain, and I like this word, temporary sense of power. Do we believe there's a scarcity of money? Many of us grew up with deprived thinking concerning money. This was one of the biggest things of growing up in a dysfunctional childhood. Everything was about money. You know, how much does it cost? How much does it cost? It was like, at a certain point, I didn't want to kind of do that and you know, um, you know, there's a term prosperous, prosperity, not here for mediocrity, not here for survival, here for prospering and thriving. And 
uh, had no chance unless I, you know, do this program one day at a time. Back and speaking for me, there's not enough. There will never be enough. If we get a little, we may guard it and hoard it because there's no more. Yeah, that it's home. Money's not in short supply. That's for sure. I'm starting to realize we do not have to waste our energy resenting those who have enough. You can't have what you resent. There's plenty of money here on earth. How much do we believe we deserve? Many of us are limiting ourselves by what we believe we deserve. Money's not evil. There is no scarcity except in our mind and attitudes. And what we believe we deserve will be about what we shall receive. We can change our beliefs through affirmations, by setting goals, by starting where we are, and working slowly forward to where we want to be. Today, I will examine my beliefs about money. I will begin the process of letting go of any self-defeating beliefs that may be limiting or blocking the financial part of my life. And I think if there's one thing I want to commit to this week, it is affirmations. Um, it's really important, and I've been helped mostly by books that are written by you know, people who are either have addictions or Buddhists. The self-help community with all their crap doesn't really help me. The next, the final subject, the topic is also for Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go. Topic, accepting love. Many of us have worked too hard to make relationships work. Sometimes those relationships didn't have a chance because the other person was unavailable or refused to participate. To compensate for the other person's unavailability, we work too hard, right? We, we don't struggle, we relax and we take it easy. We may have done all or most of the work. This may mask the situation for a while, but we usually get tired. Then we stop doing all the work. We notice there is no relationship or we're so tired we don't care. Doing all the work in a relationship is not loving, giving, or caring. It is self-defeating and relationship-defeating. It creates the illusion of a relationship when in fact there may be no relationship. It enables the other person to be irresponsible for his or her share. Because that does not meet our needs, we ultimately feel victimized. In our best relationships, we all have temporary periods where one person participates more than the other. This is normal. But as a permanent way of participating in relationships, it leaves us feeling tired, worn out, needy, and angry. We can learn to participate a reasonable amount and then let the relationship find its own life. Are we doing all the calling? Are we doing all the initiating? Are we doing all the giving? We're taking. Are we the ones talking about the feelings and striving for intimacy? Are we doing all the waiting, the hoping, and the work? We can let go. If the relationship is meant to be, it will be and it will be, become what it is meant to be. We do not help that process by trying to control it. We do not help the other person, the relationship, or ourselves by trying to force it or doing all the work. I think this also applies very much to family relationships. Back to the reading. Let it be, wait, and see. Stop worrying about making it happen. Yeah, when, when I'm trying to make something happen, it doesn't usually work. When I'm trying to do my best and let go, um, I have a serenity I could never have, even if I got, even if I made happen what I wanted to. Back to the reading. See what happens and strive to understand if that is what you want. Today, I will stop doing all the work in my relationships. I will give myself and the other person the gift of requiring both people to participate. I will accept the natural level my relationships reach when I do my share and allow the other person to choose what his or her share will be. I can trust my relationships to reach their own level. I do not have to do all the work. I need only to do my share. And that concludes today's readings for strengthening my recovery. This is Kowan Saluja reminding myself that the steps give me the power of choice 
from being a victim to being empowered. To pause, because that's where God is, and there is no healing without feeling and processing.